Welcome to Global Answers. Please join us as we discuss the relevance of God's eternal word relating to events in this day and what it means to you. And now, your hosts, Jeff and Lonnie Jenkins. Hello, friends. Really good to be back with you again. Greetings, uh, Jeff, on this end. And as you know, our subject matter has been uh, referring to the call to the ministry. We've been talking about the call of the ministry in the last broadcast and also just a general call and what it is to be uh, called by God. Um, each one of us that are Christians had an appointment with God at one given time. We went into foreordination, uh, being called be or chosen before the foundation of the world. And the Bible says that my name was written in the Lamb's book of life from before the foundation of the world. Mm -hmm. So God knew before the foundations of the world that I would serve him. But more than knowing it, he decreed it. Mm -hmm. He ordained that I would serve him. I didn't know it. I'm a finite human being, but he's infinite. And he knew that at some given time, I would respond. Now, what would I respond to, Brother Jeff? I would respond to the word. So you're hearing me right now. Perhaps you're agnostic or perhaps you don't uh, believe in a God or perhaps you're, uh, you believe in multiple gods, whatever it might be. But I, I want to declare to you for just a moment, if you'll listen, the God of the Bible, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, the God of heavens and earth, the God of the Muslims, the God of the Jews, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and uh, Jacob, and particularly also my faith as a Christian believing in Christ. We find that in the book of Acts, and we're going to get back into the fivefold ministry in just a moment because there's some awesome things we want to bring out. We find that there was an Ethiopian eunuch, we left you with this, who was pondering the scriptures out of Isaiah. And he was reading the scriptures concerning this one that has been bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. And the Ethiopian eunuch was saying, who is this? Who is this? And he's reading it out loud. And the Holy Spirit tells Philip, he's one of the deacons in the church, run over and stand by that chariot. And so Philip runs over and he's jogging alongside the chariot. And the Ethiopian eunuch is reading it out loud. And Philip says, do you understand what you're reading? He says, no, how can I except some man guide me? Now, that's what we hope to be doing with you right now. What an attitude this man had. How can I except some man guide me? Satan is trying to get everybody to question authority, to question leadership, to question gray hairs, or in my case, no hairs. And so question, question, question. But what if God is going to use me or somebody to speak eternal life into your heart? That's how God chooses. Now, he knew it before the foundation of the world, but he attracts you by his word, sometimes by circumstances, the death of a loved one, critical situations, but he uses this to tender your heart to see if there's something in there that'll reach out for God or maybe reach out for the next drug or the next booze bottle. But if you're a child of God, sometime in your life, you're going to respond to the word of God. So we find that the Ethiopian eunuch responds and he talks to Philip and Philip explains that this man that was bruised for iniquities was Jesus Christ. Then the Ethiopian eunuch goes on, Philip goes on to tell him you need to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then they find water and the eunuch says, what doth hinder me from being baptized? Here's water. And they baptize him. But he said to him, if thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest baptized. He was baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit, and God led uh, Philip away in the spirit. And so that was a call from God. This man was thirsting and God was there to respond. If you're thirsting for more of God, God it's chances are there's more of God for you to have. So again, we're talking about the call of God, the divine appointment in which God meets 
that chosen vessel on earth. And usually the way and medium by which he grabs the heart of the individual is the word of God. The fivefold ministry and the call of God, Brother Lonnie, uh, you've got some more on your heart concerning that, I'm sure. I do, but you were talking about the Ethiopian eunuch and yeah, Philip, and right. to me that brings the other comparison in mind. The angel told Philip to go to the eunuch. Right. So why didn't the angel go to the eunuch? Beautiful. Yeah, because natural and spiritual, life comes through the body. Right. And it's the body of Christ. Right. And so the angel was not part of the body, so he couldn't communicate life. So he had to speak to Philip, who had the life, to go carry the life to the Ethiopian eunuch. So life comes through the body. Both the carrier of the life the, is a man, but often the obstacle and the veil is the man too, isn't that right? Oh, yes. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Sad, yeah. Sadly enough, we stumble over that all the time, that, oh, he's just a man. Yeah, he is, but, who, but God speaks through man. God has chosen to speak through man. Beautiful. So we went through the scriptures last time showing you how that there was a special supernatural thing involved in God dealing with Moses and God dealing with Jeremiah. Uh, same thing with uh, Elijah is told of God to go, go commission uh, Elisha to stand in his room, which means stand in the, st in the place of a prophet when El uh, God took uh, Elijah up, then his mantle was passed on to Elisha. So we see each one of these with a supernatural call. When Jesus was walking through uh, the uh, shores of Galilee and around the area there, he called, he called, he called the various uh, apostles. So they had a personal call from Jesus himself. And so that's why, based on the Bible pattern, I would say that, that a man who is entering the ministry has to know that he's called. And as we go through some more of my notes here, pardon mm -hmm. me for referring to them, but I yeah. wrote them all down because I was afraid I'd miss some points if I didn't, didn't do it. So the first 12 were called directly by Jesus. Now listen close. And then Judas fell. Then Paul met that same Jesus. Uh, some of you, you're going to stumble over that. When he met that great light and said, Lord, who are you? The light answered back, I am Jesus, whom you persecute. So the Logos of God, the, that was the pillar of fire of the Old Testament, had come down into flesh and become, become Jesus, because John 1.14 says the word was made flesh. And then after he had finished the work of redemption, he'd returned back to the form of the pillar of fire again. And then in that form, he called Paul. And so Paul met the pillar of fire, Lord, who are you? I am Jesus. So all 12 of the apostles were called by Jesus. Mm -hmm. Now, when Judas fell, the disciples, they decided we need to fill that spot. So, so they chose, was it Barnabas? Was Matthias. that? Matthias, that's it, Matthias. Yeah. They chose Matthias to, to take his place, but we find not one word in Scripture that Matthias did anything. Why? Because man filled the slot. God didn't. Right. God chose Paul to fill the slot. And so consequently, we see that when men are appointed to an office by men and not God, there's nothing that comes of it any more than there was out of the ministry of Matthias. So you can have a, a man that's filling the role of a, uh, he can be in a, in a pulpit, but if he's not a genuinely called man, then the unction of God, one, is not on him. And generally speaking, I don't know how that church can prosper. 
Well, there's there's more than one thing involved. Sometimes the man can get anointed. Mm -hmm. That's true, that unction, because God's word is anointed. Right. And so to don't want to hurt somebody's feelings, but just to speak Bible, there's no place in the scripture where God ever appointed a woman to be in the pulpit preaching the word. Right. In fact, it's quite quite the contrary. Right. And but yet they can get anointed because mm -hmm. God's word is anointed. Mm -hmm. So they think it's God's favor on them because but I'm anointed. Well, mm -hmm. well, true. I won't. I won't deny that because the Holy Spirit comes to the Word. Mm -hmm. But yet, the vessel scripturally is out of place, mm -hmm. and so there there are dire consequences to be paid down the road. What will they be? Uh, way down the road, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't know how God will deal that. We have to leave that in in His hands. But in my own life, I've seen men whom I've worked with in, in my travels mm -hmm. as a minister, who were in the pulpit and maybe as an office of a pastor. And in one case, I just knew in my heart, this is not a called man. Mm -hmm. He was trying to serve the people and be and arrange meetings and see that the people got fed, but he stepped into the office of a pastor. Wasn't very long, he took cancer and died. Mm -hmm. And then I, then I know another man who was an excellent student of the word. And because he could dazzle the people with his knowledge of the word, he therefore thought he was a minister and ended up pastoring and ended up committing suicide. Mm -hmm. And because the things just don't go right. And I've got a Bible example of that here, which we'll come to, come to in just a moment. So we know that in the Old Testament that Aaron and his sons were appointed as priests by God and they were selected by genealogy, the bloodline of Aaron. And the, still, this may confuse you a little bit, but I have to throw it in. Still, the priesthood today is by bloodline because the scripture says we are kings and priests unto God. And Hebrews 2 says that we are, we are mm -hmm. brethren, brothers yeah. to Jesus Christ. We both have the same father. So that means that this, the, this bloodline of Christ, those who by one spirit have been baptized into one body, that that priesthood still, still continues on. But that's mm -hmm. not the fivefold ministry now. That's, just, that's believers. To the individual in our day, do you or can you believe that God still calls in supernatural ways? Mm -hmm. Maybe not like Moses with a burning bush, but the call must assuredly be positively from God. Mm -hmm. Uh, it is the ministry that is called to rightly divide the word. A lay person can gather many truths and be able to rehearse many truths, but they'll never see how quite all of them tie together until they're taken by somebody in the fivefold ministry and they show how this fits with that. That's the gift of rightly dividing the word. Mm -hmm. But I mentioned what happens to a man when he gets in the pulpit and he's not called to take that position. We'll just give you one Bible example. In Numbers 16.35, it gives us a clear example of God's attitude toward handling that. And here is mm -hmm. Korah, Dathan, and Abiram telling Moses, you're not the only man. He was the only man because God had only called him, not Korodathan and Abiram. And so then, so then Moses challenges them and says, okay, you, you men that think you've got a call to do what I'm doing, pick up your censers and let's all go in before God with, this, with fire on our censers. Mm -hmm. And so 250, yeah, 250 men all lit up their censers and started going in, 
and they were standing there with the fire burning on their censers, ready to go into the presence of God. And then God challenges and says, if these men die the normal death, then I am not a prophet of God. And at that time, the ground shook, the earth opened up, and Korah and his whole household and all their belongings were swallowed mm -hmm. up in the earth, mm -hmm. and fire come down, came down from heaven and consumed the men with the censers on their, on their, in their hands. They were good men. They were elders of Israel, good men, mm -hmm. but they were deceived under the influence of somebody else trying to tell them they were called to an office that they weren't called to. So what happened when they picked up that fire of God and not called to it? It was death there. It was natural death. In the New Testament, if you pick up the fire of God, which is the word of God, and handle it when you're not called to, mm -hmm. it'll be spiritual death. Mm -hmm. God can take from you even the faith that you have. Mm. So it is a deadly thing to, to transgress over handling the word when you're, when you're not called to do it. When I think about making an absolute to a call, I remember Jeff, as you used to travel with me in the ministry, and then you mm -hmm. began to feel in your heart that you just might have a call mm -hmm. on your heart. But tell me how you felt about when you first felt you might have a call. What was your next thoughts? Well, I was frightened, to be honest. Um, and in fact, I was, uh, I was the fear or the, of the idea of being called to uh, preach the gospel, not just stage fright, not just standing up before people, but handling the Word of God was so, I had so much respect for the Word of God that I thought if I'm not called, I'm not about to minister His Word. And so I literally discounted it right then. I said, well, I, you know, I'm not even going to, I'm not going to begin to pick up the Word of God. But what I found was is that uh, the youth would ask me questions and we would talk about the Word of God. And I had a, 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 a tremendous burden for the youth in our church. And so I ended up holding youth meetings and uh, with the permission of the pastor. And, uh, but not at all thinking about a call at that time, just because I had a burden for the youth. And so we would sing songs and do testimonies, and really, I wouldn't really preach at all. I was just getting the people together. And, but more and more, as I studied the Word of God, the doctrine of the Word became alive to me. And I found that my peers, my friends, had really not really any desire to learn doctrine, nor did it come to them naturally, where doctrine for me came very naturally. I would see it and I would connect the dots. And I remember you knowing, you already felt in your heart that I was called, but you weren't about to tell me. Correct. And I'm glad because I think I would have ran the other way. Uh, my call was supernatural. And uh, I've talked to many ministers whose calls were supernatural. My call, I was sitting in the, I'll have to back up a minute though. I was in Estes Park, Colorado the first time. And this man who didn't know me, his name was Ern Houghton. He was the father of the Latter Rain movement. Ern Houghton was ministering, and he kept looking down at me. And, and I didn't, didn't know you. Huh? And didn't know you. And did not know me. Yeah. And I, I didn't know him other than my pastor told me to go up and join this group in Estes Park, Colorado, fellowship with them, and learn from them. Because he said they had some tremendous gifts, and they were just a godly bunch of people. So we believed in holiness, and this was a holiness group, and I was going to go up. And so we went up. Several of our people in our church were there, and this man uh, calls me out in the middle of a sermon. Then he says, you then, and he calls me by my name. He says, Mr. Jenkins. Then he says, you're ordained to preach the message. Well, um, I was flattered, but I still did not feel that simply because he told me 
that that was good enough because I knew a lot of gifted men or a lot of people that weren't necessarily gifted could tell people something and it wasn't even of God. I still had to know. Then my pastor came up and he told me, Brother Jeff, I heard that Brother Houghton said that over you. He said, I, he did. He said, six months ago, when you were sitting on the front row, the Lord told me you were going to preach the gospel. That's, that was good, too, as a witness, but I had to know personally. And so um, I find so many men today, Brother Lonnie, that would have jumped at that. Yeah, praise God, I've got a call in my life. Brother so-and-so told me, called me out. I was just the opposite. I was still reluctant, still very timid about the idea of ever standing behind a pulpit. Then the third incident was is six, about six, eight months later, I'm sitting in the front of my church, about 500 people were singing a song, so let's just praise the Lord. I'm worshiping the Lord, and every voice, every song, the, the, the violins, the uh, organist, the piano, everything vacuumed out. I, I heard nothing, and this all happened within three seconds, maybe four at the most. We were standing up, and my hands were up in the air, and I was singing that song, so let's just praise the Lord. My eyes were closed, and everything vacuumed out of the room. At that instant, another voice spoke, not out here where my natural ears could hear it, but inside, but a very distinct and clear voice, and it said, Brother Perry is going to ask you to preach Wednesday night service. Well, then the music came back, and I'm now contemplating. My hands are still in the air, and I'm contemplating what just happened. And while my hands are in the air, my eyes are still closed, somebody grabs my wrists while my hands are in the air. And I opened my eyes, it was my pastor. Brother Perry had come off the platform and he grabbed my wrists because they were up in the air and he looked at me and he says, I want you to take Wednesday night service. Mm -hmm. Then I could not deny mm -hmm. that I had a call in my life. At that point I knew that God was doing something and if God called me, then God would take care of me mm -hmm. the rest of my life in whatever he ordained me to do. Mm -hmm. And so it was a supernatural call. It was not some desire of my own. It sure wasn't led by ego or pride or human ambition. Um, I had other desires for my life, and yet I also loved people and would soon find out thereafter that I was called to be a pastor. That was another story, very supernatural as well. But wasn't you had some pretty supernatural revolving around the call of God in your life too, because you were a businessman yeah. and called out of business. Yeah, that, that, that's true. But I wanted to back up one part. I remember yeah. when, when you first were going to preach your first sermon and our pastor, who was Brother Perry Green, yeah. uh, spoke to you and he said, Jeff, he says, I'm, I happened to be in the room when he was talking to you. Yeah. And he said, Jeff, I'm going to give you the same piece of advice that an older minister gave me when I started. Yeah. He said, you study when you know you're going to preach. You study like there is no God. Right. He says, when you get in the pulpit, you depend on God like there is no study. I remember that. <laughs> and I thought, I thought that's such a good piece of advice. You really. know, I have to say something when you say that, too. I remember the, first, uh, the second sermon I preached first sermon was that Wednesday night, and I just really gave my testimony and said a few words about an hour went by. Second sermon, I preached a message on called Atmosphere, and it was a burden on my heart, and I just felt I had to share it. And Brother Perry said this to me, my pastor, my dad told me this, preach what's real to you. So don't go into doctrine you know nothing about, preach what's real to you. Well, this was real concerning my addiction to rock and roll music and my deliverance from rock and roll music and how many young people in our church were listening to Christian rock, and I knew it was of the devil, and I knew it was wrong. Christian rock may be Americana, but it's not of God, it's not Christian, it's demonic. And it concerned me how many kids were listening to Christian rock. And so um, 
the Lord gave me a series of scriptures out of Chronicles 15 and, and Kings chapter 5 and the anointing of God and the uh, ministry that uh, were the 120 uh, ministers of Judith and, and Heman and Asaph and they were ministering before the Lord. The presence of God came down and there was this atmosphere, awesome atmosphere by the Holy Spirit, by music and God inhabits the praises of his people. Then I went into rock and roll music. Well, let me skip forward for just a moment. We filled a huge trash bin of eight tracks. Back then it was eight tracks. Eight tracks and cassettes and 45s and the larger albums. We filled a trash bin of Christian rock and rock and roll music. But the reason was is because God came down in the service supernaturally. There was nothing that I did. Um, while I was preaching, the anointing of God came down upon all these people and we wept and cried and praised God for hours. And I, I stood with my back to the audience up against a wall, sobbing uncontrollably. And uh, in fact, tongues and interpretation broke out in that service. Mm -hmm. I remember that. It was yeah. one of those incredibly anointed services. I look back now, I know one, God was not just anointing the word to the hearts of the people, but he was in a sense encouraging me mm -hmm. that I had a call and that he would be with me. Yeah, yeah. amen. Yeah. yeah, I remember that service very well. It was an incredibly anointed service. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, yeah on, on my own personal testimony, as we talk about calling, callings from God, uh, when, I, when I was in the Air Force and they asked me to teach classes while I was in the Air Force, and I wondered, why me? I came out of the Air Force, I went to work for Sears Roebuck, and the first thing you know, they've got me teaching salesmanship classes and merchandising classes, and I thought, why me? Why do they always ask me to teach? And then I, saw, then I got into Christian circles, Pentecostal circles, I started attending full gospel businessmen meetings, and first thing you know, they're asking me, bring us a little lesson, Lonnie, bring us a little session, and I thought, why me? I've never professed to be a minister. And then in July, way back, for some of you people, way before you were born, back in July of 1964, I was sitting in my an apartment. Sears had transferred me back, and I was part of the staff of, of Sears in uh, Chicago. And uh, they had transferred me back to Chicago. I was sitting in my apartment, and I had the exact same experience you had. Suddenly, I was unplugged from everything. I had no sense of see, taste, feel, smell in here, but yet it wasn't frightening. It was just like everything else mm -hmm. was closed off. Something began to speak in my heart and told me that I was to return to California, that's where I was from originally, and that he had a work for me to do and that he would guide me step by step, which he did. And that experience happened just five more times as he guided me out of Sears and into, into the ministry. And uh, I was quite, I have to admit, a little bit shocked at it, but the, the real supernatural part to me was as soon as God told me that he was calling to the, me to the ministry, my job which had great value to me, and I was seemingly on my way up the ladder, had great value, but as soon as he called me, it had no value. Yeah. The only thing that mattered to me now was being obedient to the call, can, to the call you, of God. Can you go back and, I know we only have a few minutes, but the time when you were standing in the cafeteria line, and I believe that was 66, if I remember correctly. Uh, no, that was, that was the same year. Okay. Yeah. We had a little saying among us in those days, let everything be confirmed out of the mouth of two or three witnesses. So when I felt that God had spoken to me, I went over to a friend's house and his wife, whom I was with friends, we were kind of like charismatic at that time. And I shared with them that I, something had just happened. I didn't tell them what. I shared with them something had happened and that, that uh, I wanted to pray about it and see if God would confirm it. I didn't want to tell them what had happened. 
He says, well, my wife is out with a, with a Lutheran ex-Lutheran minister who was kicked out of the church for receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and they'll be back in a moment. They came back in a little while, and, I, and he just said, Brother Lonnie wants us to pray and see if God will confirm something to us. So we knelt down and we started praying, and we prayed about five or ten minutes, but you could tell we were not breaking through. So we all kind of got up at about the same time and turned around. We were down on our knees, got up to sit down in a chair, and just as we sat down in a chair, this ex-minister who I had never met before, his eyes pinned my eyes, and he says, what are you doing in Chicago? God wants you in California. Well, that was my answer. That was my confirmation. And then the woman spoke up, and she says, and God will open every door. And I said, okay, praise God. There it is. So I waited several months, and no doors opened. And I, and I was standing in a cafeteria line, and I had just put my knife and fork on the cafeteria uh, tray, and I was about to go down and get food. God spoke to my heart and says, go outside. I want you to, uh, I need to speak to you. And so I put everything back, and I went out, and I got in my car in a parking lot behind this big building there and sat down. And I says, Lord, is it, Lord what is going on here? Uh, I know you call me, and you said you'd open every door. And he says, I did not say I'd open every door. That woman said I'd open every door, and, and that wasn't me. And mm -hmm. so being young in the spirit then, I thought when this was God, then that was God. But I found out, no, you have to be more alert. Sometimes the devil can slip one in there mm -hmm, mm -hmm. just side by side, truth and error so close it would deceive the very elect. Well, friends, we didn't get very far today on our call to the ministry. We may have to pick up our subject again. We kind of got off on Jeff and I's call right, right. And, uh, instead of our call, call to the ministry. But I do believe that when God calls a man, there's a supernatural experience that takes place somehow to confirm that God was in it. And I would like every minister to examine mm -hmm. themselves. Did I put myself in the pulpit or did God put me in the pulpit? And then the fruit will be. So a man would ask me, how can I tell if a man is called when he gets in the pulpit? Can he keep the word straight, line upon line, precept upon precept? Can he keep the word straight? That's what we're trying to do and encourage you to do the same. God bless you, friends. It's been a joy speaking with you about our testimonies, Brother Lonnie and myself. Uh, you heard about the supernatural and what God has done in our life with regard uh, to the ministry. And I do believe the ministry is a supernatural call. And Brother Lonnie has his entire testimony available. So those of you that would like to hear about how God called him, about his life, about his ministry, of course it's personal to me because he's my father, but there's so much information packed in his life story. We want you to hear it. It's available to you. God bless. Order the four-part DVD set of the testimony of Lonnie Jenkins or a DVD of today's program, A Call to the Ministry. Write to us at Global Answers at 1695 Stewart Road, Lima, Ohio. Our zip code is 45801 here in the USA. Or visit us on the web at globalanswers.us. Please take some time to look around our website. You'll find a variety of files to download, as well as a link to our resource center containing many Christian books, CDs, and DVDs. Thanks for joining us today, and may our Lord Jesus Christ richly bless you.